Ginecon Black Source Medical Corporation LLC Come, come with the public service announcement I and I are here to dispel misinformation In big regard to home remedy in Nostrum First It is not proven that to eat dim brain of albino Dim strength and antibody On behalf of our sovereign albino citizens of KPBMC Dim lack and pigmentation Just as vital to the nation Ministry receive rampant report of people making them pure From yeast from paternal grandmother's punani Big repeat Zero evidence paternal yeast pure reduce symptoms Dim cannot cure AIDS virus of your papa dim cherry a 14 year old virgin Unproven Put them bash no batty boy It will not make them immune to Omicron variant Follow the mask mandate To have all of your property seized by the state Global South Cover them nose and mouth Crossing the science Curing the virus Crossing the science Curing the virus Tuskegee Tenton. 
step any closer. He's slapping the game in the junk, but there is no two lessons to be found. There is nothing he can work with. He appears to be growing frustrated and is shouting angrily on the streets. What's this? He's reaching into his coat pocket and it appears he's produced a revolver. What's he shouting? There is no, there is no God. Oh no, he's put it in his mouth. Not the penis, the revolver. Call the experiment off. first to point this out to you, and maybe not even the first one in this litany of abstraction laid out before you. But I think science is fucking dumb. More specifically, this weird reverent attitude towards science that you're bound to absorb through normie co-workers or any exposure from mainstream media within the past couple years. I'm not smart enough to punch up some swarthy timeline of social events, nor do I give a shit enough to somehow rope current year medical hysteria into this. However, I have noticed some things. Does anyone remember that odd upswing in cornball Big Bang Theory epic Reddit life hack culture in the 2010s? I do. I went to recording school with a guy that had a chemical structure tattoo on his forearm. 
That guy was also a mark for Bo Burnham and did a musical comedy act for open mics at country bars. He also looks exactly like how you're imagining right now. One night, my cabin mates and I threw a party and invited everyone, and this bescarved cock jockey not only griped about not having wine, but then decided to halt the festivities and show everyone a video of Neil deGrasse Tyson owning people. This was the very first time I was ever exposed to so-called rock star scientists. I mean, of course, in my pea-brained public school, my pea-brained teachers would show us Bill Nye on a roll cart, and I just figured he was some sort of pea-brained pedophile dental tech that got a hosting gig on a TV show. Turns out, he's just a pea-brained pedophile media mouthpiece that can wear a jacket and recite true and honest and market-friendly lines to children and grown-ups with the constitution of children. There's a reason why there's only a BS next to his name if you look up his credentials on the internet. And believe it or not, he's not even the worst of these geriatric twerps. Michio Otaku Kaku is so unremarkable, I can't even think of a way to riff on him. And half of the appeal of these pop scientists is the celebrity infotainment factor, and this motherfucker comes up shorter than his stature. Maybe it's because of that kid from school and how he irritated me, and I may associate him subconsciously, but hands down, the wackest human being to ever stand in front of a camera is Neil Fuckass Tyson. He's like a space marine primarch, but for, um, actually, those type of guys. I have a natural hatred for nibby-nosed, nebbish nerds, and I genuinely can't bear to listen to this fucking guy talk for more than five minutes at a time. I almost can't even articulate or orient myself and how pissed off his fucking face and haircut make me. Who is this man's agent? I couldn't think of a harder pitch to a TV network than, oh yeah, you'll love my guy. He's an ill-built, insufferable charisma vacuum that looks like Sinbad's uncle with a fucking Tammy Wynette haircut. Jesus, fuck. The worst part is the power and prestige placed on the intellectual. I am not an intellectual. I am someone who actually does things. I will never worship or idolize anyone or anything that exists purely in speculation and pontification. And these are the same limp-wristed pricks that will laugh in your face about religion. From the top down, everyone involved in this sphere of things either never have or never will experience true transcendence in anything in their lives. Because nothing but impotent, squishy cattle can look at these people and feel empowered. Neil Tyson has never been punched in his life. Neil deGrasse Tyson couldn't make a fist without someone else's dick in his palm. The only thing worse are the people who sustain this man's career. And I promise, if you strip away the front-facing elements of this, do you really think the average middling age range consumer would sit and read about chemistry out of a fucking textbook? No, because it doesn't have pictures of Iron Man in it. So fuck them, and fuck you if you like this shit.
you better keep people far away from them because currently anything unexpected tends to make automated cars to freak out. Might as well just expand the rail network, right? The biggest problem is what AI makes of data you provided. Nobody has been able to make an AI that can generalize information. Here's a good example of this, okay? The chair example. Show an AI 10 different kinds of chairs and tell it those are chairs. Then show it a different kind of chair and the AI will be completely baffled because they can't generalize information. That shit is very important when driving as we use that ability to determine potential dangers and also the world around us. So we humans know that a fence by the side of the road could be driven through in an emergency because it's just a simple wooden fence. An AI wouldn't be able to determine that. All it knows is that it's a barrier. Imagine there's a sudden danger on the road. Let's go with a bus tipping over. After all, happens to double-decker buses. Or a tree falls. Something obstructs the road. Anything your car can't brake for in time? Well, AI has two options. One, try to brake and fail, crash into an obstruction. Or two, swerve off the road, crash into something else. AI, as it stands, is going to be unable to decide which is the better option, as AI won't be able to tell the difference between a fallen pile of masonry in the middle of the road and a wooden fence on the side of the road. Both are obstructions. Both are solid objects. This is the inherent problem of AI. It can't do things it hasn't been trained to do. While a human can apply information it obtains from elsewhere to make judgments in situations it isn't trained for, AI cannot. A human driver can tell the difference between a road obstruction that contains people and an obstruction that does not, and is more likely to try and avoid hitting people. While to an AI, an obstruction is an obstruction is an obstruction. AI can make great short-term decisions with little consideration of what comes next, unless it is specifically programmed to do so, which increases decision-making time requirements. AI is simply not capable of functioning outside a predetermined and consistent environment. It can't handle unexpected scenarios it isn't trained for, and its training must be extremely specific if you want it to be able to recognize things as anything other than objects in its path. But that requirement for specificity means you can't train it for everything, like driving on its own. Trust the science, lust for tyrants. I mean, naturally. What else does one put stock in? Sure, a penny for a thought, a song, such things as dreams are made of naturally. I mean, these have their utility in exchange, the licensing of songs, but unpredictably, without reason. You agree? Place your stock in the Beatles or the licensing rights now, that's something to put stock in, naturally, I mean. 
How could you know the next big thing? You ask, where their ideas come from, what? Trust their silence? Lustful sirens knowing not even themselves the value of a song is in the title. The tune's entitled to the chords, recording, the words, recorded, date and time, the patent filed for the record, for the record. Naturally, I mean, it's only natural, after all, in the last account. The final reckoning of titles, chains of egress, genealogies of smut. Put your money where your mouth is, buddy. It's only natural. To be a romantic, yes, I know, to think some pearl of great price is freely found in the gutter of the radio, but what are songs sung for anyway? Why sing? Why the bird sings? The birds sing. The animals howl, too. They have their songs. Why their songs? Are those worth my investment? Shall I retire on the warblings of jaybirds banked? Does the crow squawk, mint, and gather interest? Does it gather your interest? Does the raven's bleak insinuations gather interest? Does the nightingale retire? Fuck and die, naturally. Fuck off and die. These warblings of noise, humiliations of the lower breeds warbling for to breed, to spread their seeds, to know not what nor why. And when you ask the bird, nonplussed and silent, obvious pliance, and believe me, Sex sells, sell sex, that's a fertile field. The planet claim to vest yourself in smut is what? Of all the studies ever run, the first exchange of capital was sex, was sex, was sex, Babylon's temple prostitutes. How often horse of rich advice? A bale of barley for a coin to see the Nickelodeon machine. Bale of ice is rendered nude, the dragon soup of oriental lustering, listering, whispering. Lucrum adice, radix omnium malorum escupididas. How easily? The laboratory becomes liturgical. Or other words, the new phantasmagorical is sex with everything. The world is sex, electric sex of capital and titles, breeding corporations on the stock exchange, the frocks exchange, for the Dutch noose, the English suit, the Swiss watch, and the Nobel, the Swedish mute. Trust their silence naturally. It's only naturally, so we define silence rather, rather. We define science as a systematized knowledge. But the body of facts, or the subject matter thereof, or does that mean the process by which something fit to be called science is brought into existence? Is this the ordering of the flux of experience? That silence, sorry, science means both this and that, the method and the product, the ends and the means in one. Exodus acta probat. The chicken and the egg comes first. The egg is the chicken processing, the egg becoming chicken. Science too is science, making science, doing science. More a way of life, you see, to place stock in this way of seeing things in quantities, in billiard balls, and atoms colliding in the silence of Newton's pool sharking. Naturally, this must be the science of God. I mean, the silence of God. I mean, the silence of nature. I meant, you see, how swiftly the laboratory becomes liturgical. If ever we are to be governed by intelligence, not by things or words. Silence, I, science, I mean science, naturally. I mean, if ever we are governed by science, it must say something. It must say something about what we are, not merely what we do, nor how. Not how, not how merely how the cow is cowing, or that the mooings are moo. You so what? What am I to do? What am I to you? Do you put your trust in me? Do I invest stock in myself? Am I a science of myself? Do I buy my own wares? Am I high on my own supply? I mean, it's natural. It's only nature. It's only science. It's only silence.
Club Selector. A message approved by King Pathogenicon Black Source Medical Corporation. Sharakiri Baba, which mean you keep your six feet distance. I will not rape your sister. When I was little, my father, Paul Janssen, was famous. He was the greatest pharmacist in the empire. And he was fentanyl's manufacturer. He tried all his creations, the fentanyl and the haloperdol, on me, his favorite son. It was a bad time for the empire. My dad, the pharmacist, stayed in his lab, injecting the drugs and then injecting me with the drugs. He'd laugh as I flatlined before giving me shots of Narcan. He had dollar signs in his eyeballs as he watched me drift back into unconsciousness and certain death, pulling me back before the flatline rang, a single droning beep. People said his brain was infected by devils. But no, there were no devils. It was his god complex that drove him to experiment on my impressionable brain. I was his favorite son, but he raped my brain with opiates and antipsychotic chemicals. The Johnson brothers bought his creations. They didn't care about the conditions they were being produced in. My brain damage, my personality tics were just evidence to them about the power of my dad's formulas. When I gargled foam at the mouth and got gigantic, unexplainable boners that preceded my puberty by eight years, they just laughed <laughs> and clinked glasses of champagne together. Then one night, the Johnson brothers sent their big pharma shadow agents to our house. They tried to kill my father, but they didn't. Instead, he shot me with enough haloperdol that I forgot who and what I was. I was no longer his son or his lab assistant. I was his lab rat. I can't remember much else. That was the night everything changed. Thank you. 
that, but I can't not want. I extremely want Witch Doctor. No, no, no. Get the Buddha. Or you know what? Yeah, but how? Get the Buddha. Or you want to suck dick? <laughs> no, dude, that ain't happening. No, no, no. You must have suck a dick. To get the pussy, see you? Suck a dick for pussy. Required to by law receive the immunity booster. The booster has been developed from a hybrid strain of ganja in a laboratory by our government's trusted scientists. In keeping with the climate change split emissions reduction plan, the medicinal herb booster will be taken in the form of CBD balm. This KPB in CCBD is guaranteed to not shrink at them gonads. Is guaranteed to not make a demnati dread fallout. And guaranteed to not give one irreversible gender dysphoria. Feel the freedom upon a science now and i would argue the problem with art now is we've we've allowed the nerds fucking pencil neck dorks to fucking run amok with science these cyclopean monomaniacal little uh myopic shitheads they're trying to maximize utility and that's the only thing they can see they they have no broader picture of anything human but you have the inverse thing happening in the arts where you have people who are so concerned with just pure emotionality and pure fucking uh, uh, it's the whole singer songwriter thing of just like oh my feelings my personal experience it gets very boring and very trite really fucking quick I the root problem in both cases that I'm trying to get to is sort of their incomplete halves to a more holistic understanding of the human experience. And in modern society, you sort of see this dismissal or uh, complete stomping out, as the case may be, of any sort of visionary component in humanity. And I guess maybe a more intelligible way to articulate what I'm getting at, the similarities between arts and science, is that I think both are trying to like grasp that the sort of Kantian thing in itself, the noumena, the thing that we always or forever in pursuit of, but don't actually have access to. 
One of the big problems with science as it's thought of now is that it's sort of, you know, it, its eye, in some sense, is on the prize. It's, it's going after the, the new the thing in itself, but it's, it's not kept in check by anything. When you have that sort of mindset, you kind of are willing to just throw out anything that gets in your way. Also, I think there seems to be this idea that, uh, that that the thing in itself ultimately is attainable. It's not something that's forever just just out of reach. Uh, yeah, it's a sick thing. It's bad, and I think it's a vulgarization of the legitimately visionary. Which the legitimately visionary, there's a humility to that because you're you don't have the hubris of saying yes, like yes i have the absolute truth we can access it you're just it's constantly placing a set of wagers just like hey i think x do you see that too it's you're showing it to humanity as a whole expecting some sort of verification response you're not waving the absolute truth in front of everybody and using it as a cudgel a false idea of absolute truth and using it as a cudgel like that using that to beat people down and fucking erode and completely destroy humanity going into the future. You know, it's, you know, I, we're, we're ending on a real light note. You know, this is a really good, positive note, but, uh, I don't, I don't know. I guess, I guess I'll just end this by saying there's no reason to be nihilistic about all of this. As bleak as it may seem, the situation is what it is, and you just have to deal with it the best you can. Yeah, keep your chin up, bucko. You're gonna... You got to keep pushing on. There's nothing else you can do. The year was 2006. I was in Mr. Rockcliffe's chemistry class. He was out for the day, common cold or something. Miss White was our substitute that day. She was losing control of the class quickly. I didn't have any friends, so I wasn't the disruption. Football jocks, the Stacys, they were all completely disregarding the indiscriminate and meek woman trying to calm the crowd. And then, it happened. She wheeled in a giant steel cart with a 36-inch cathode ray tube television perched atop. The class froze for a second. The deafening commotion downgraded into a hush. The lights dimmed, and a puny, diminutive man with a BS in mechanical engineering named Bill eyes. His theme song put the group in a trance, singing along with every word, and even chanting his name towards the end of the hymn. Later on, at the end of the uh, really long school day, the really hard and long school day that I had in high school, I started my journey back home. My mind was still rattling around images and sounds that I'd seen earlier while the, uh, the DVD was playing. I mean, Bill didn't use an endearing personality or like a lovable affect to get people to pay attention. He used science. He used cold, hard science to gain public support. Control how people act, think, and even feel. It was awesome. I opened the door to my house. A nice house. My parents were arguing. My dad is out of town all the time. You know, big money job, whatever like that. My mother is silently going insane at home. Today's dispute was something about, like, another woman and her 15-year-old daughter. I don't know. I don't have time for the petty people stuff anymore. With the passing of one school day at Gunder Flood High School, a divine urge had been struck up deep in my soul. 
My grades have always been perfect. I don't have any friends, and the prospects for young love don't exist for me. Now this, this, this is my ticket out of the painful dread and boredom I feel every day. They're finally gonna have to listen. I'll have all the credentials, I'll have the outfit, I'll have the fear. They're finally gonna have to pay for what they've done to me and people like me throughout history. They're finally gonna feel a quarter of the mental hell I feel every single day. I'm gonna fucking kill them all. Whenever you hear someone say, I believe in science, it's a telltale sign that they're usually dumber than mud fucked by retards. Science isn't Santa Claus or the Easter Bunny or the Kwanzaa Fairy. When I was a kid, I wanted to be a scientist. And what I thought that meant as a kid was the image of myself surrounded by an elaborate apparatus of glass tube work bubbling with mysterious multicolored liquids. I drew pictures of this image and colored in the chemicals in bright green and red and blue pencil. When I was a kid, I understood science to be the romance of the dinosaur age, a giant fish tank in the imagination, teeming with turquoise and orange lizards, Reptiles from the illustrations of my boyhood books with scales in emerald green and apple red. Science was the romance of the phases and phrases of geologic time. Cretaceous, Jurassic, Triassic, which together make the Mesozoic, that fern-haunted and raptor-ridden chronicle. And I heard the bird songs of the Mesozoic on my children's cassette tapes. The shrieks and rasps of long-dead beasts, which bookended the catchy educational songs. Where and how were they recorded? Science was riding the escalator through the flaming molten foil core of the hollow earth, up into the earthquake simulation zone of the Natural History Museum. Science was my childhood contemplation of the tree frog, smooth and vivid as CGI and the pixel drawings of atoms I made on Microsoft Paint, which had faces and fought each other and bled and exploded. Science now is not the same. Science is not mine. It does not belong to the ordinary child or the ordinary man. Science is something that happens somewhere else. It is paywalled, locked up, we do not see science, for there is nothing of it to see. It is done to us, not for us. We cannot test it, we cannot talk to it, we cannot love it. Science is a million discontinuous facts, which cannot be visualised, that hover in the blue light of the laptop screen and die and are replaced. Science now is giving names to absences, dark matter, the placebo effect. Science says that depressed people have a more realistic view of the world. Science says we live in a simulation, that the universe is not real. Science projects the spirits of the dead into the living and calls it materialism. Yeah, science is a weapon that's used against us. Resurrect the science of my youth. 
Bless the featherless dinosaur and the molten realm of the Earth's core. Bless the fossil and the ice flow. Bless the abyssal plain of bioluminescent beasts. Bless the mineral emblems up in the museum cabinets. Classification is an imaginative act. Adam naming the animals in the garden. Experiment is holy. Restore to every man, woman and child the knowledge of sight and the right of speech to say what was seen. Let us become scientists again. I'd be happy as a twink. Maybe. Um, I definitely consider it. I definitely like, well, the, the issue is you can't be a twink forever, but you can be a girl forever. Sort of. I mean, it's basically Peter Pan. Like homosexuality and transsexuality, like it's half of it is just that I was too afraid of going through puberty and I didn't want to do that. And I thought it was gross. And I didn't want to go facial hair. And I didn't want my voice and so I just started popping moans and um, that, that's, so yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm a twink who went too far, basically. I am a twink, objectively, but I went a little bit too far and now everyone thinks I'm a girl and it's like, I, it's like I, I can't go back, I can't go back. I can't come out of the tunnel. Even though I, I don't think I'd mind being a twink. No, I don't. I don't think it would be that bad. I think. Um, I think people understand what a twink is more so than they understand what I am. Um, because at least, like, if people thought I was a twink, at least I wouldn't be lying to them. Um, but when people think I'm a woman, like, that's a lie. report with me, cliché disembodied female presenter voice. Today we are talking about the praying mantis, an insect known for its sexual cannibalism. We go live now to the subtropical temperate rainforest of my subconscious. Okay, so what did the praying mantis say after cannibalizing her husband? Uh, I'm just like my mother. This male mantis, climbing up towards his potential mate, can have little idea of the danger that he's in. <laughs> Holding his upper body in her left claw, she starts to chew through his thorax. The female has removed his head and with it the brain cells that control his inhibitions. But his abdomen has its own nerve cells. Cells that control the act of copulation. 
and they allow him to pass on his genes even in the throes of death. cannibalism of the praying mantis may seem severe, it is, thankfully, brief. In other species, the female will slowly suck the life out of her partner over a period of decades. This process is commonly known as marriage. says, I want to kill you. If you're lucky like me, you grew up near the ocean and are fully aware that it wants to kill you, despite being beautiful at sunset or whatever. The tide crashes, retreats, and tediously returns, like an unzipping zipper beneath your feet, pulling the earth out from under you and back to itself. It may take a while for you to learn it is trying to kill you, and we all remember the first time. One time, it almost got my oldest daughter. I remember seeing her arms and then nothing, and then her arms again, 50 feet away in the waves. She was with a friend and that friend's grandmother. They disappeared and reappeared over and over. My daughter was 10 and couldn't touch. The waves kept tumbling her. When I got to her, the water was to my chin. I grabbed her and the friend, but there wasn't anything I could do for the grandmother. I didn't even really consider it because saving her might endanger my daughter. She was on her own. A week later, there was a party at their house. We left our kids at home. We had dinner and smoked weed. Her kids were there because hippies don't care about smoking weed in front of them. I smoked because I never turned it down. It was a mistake and I'd been having nightmares about the grandmother, even though she had managed to get herself to shore. My daughter's friend was at the party with her mother. The mom told me they had seen me on the street. Her daughter had said, look mom, there's the guy who saved me. My stomach dropped. I was too high and too drunk all of a sudden. She had no idea what sort of black math I had done that day in the water, that I should not have let her go out that far, knowing what I know. I had almost killed her. The math didn't include her Grammy at all. My daughter is mine, we are indivisible. The ocean could do what it would to the others, but it wouldn't get mine. I suppose a lot of you are young and don't realize yet that there is no greater call to love than seeing terror in your daughter's face. You don't realize that you are small and insignificant, that you are your family, and your commitments to them are total. In the end, you have very little to offer the great other, your enemy, but that won't stop them from coming for it. They know that although you are small, you're infinitely divisible, and so are infinite. There's always something else for them to get from you, and they will always want it. They want everything, and they will never leave you alone. The question was, will I explain my relationship with my manhood? Um, <laughs> I mean... I think my priest says it best when he says I have a very dominant 
male intelligence. And I think, um, despite all of the fruity, sissy, lisping, simping, camp exterior, um, you know, from day one, you're under XX or you're XY. And I'm not totally at peace with that. Um, but, um, I was born male and I was a male. Which, like, twirl, that's kind of all there is to it. Um, yeah, people don't believe I'm a man, but that's not what makes someone a man, really. So whether or not people think I'm one is uh, not related and not that relevant, I think. Um, yeah. become the dominant way of thinking among the educated classes and those who watch CNN to say, trust the science, listen to the experts. Science has all the answers. But there are so many aspects of life that not only does current scientific consensus not explain, but even the scientific method itself is likely an insufficient tool for describing. For example, can Richard Dawkins figure out whether or not my brother-in-law is secretly gay? Can Albert Einstein tell me why at 27 years old I still do whippets every Thursday night? Can Neil deGrasse Tyson reduce the number of screaming matches between me and my father? Where's Stephen Hawking when I need help perfecting my jump shot? Can the scientific method explain why the taste of sweet, sweet birdo piss has taken hold of the nation? Actually, maybe it can. But I bet it can't come up with a theory about why black people make the fastest runners and slowest walkers, or why I get especially annoyed by overly confident Asians. Everywhere you look, there are many unanswered questions, many unexplained anomalies, which might be more the realm of philosophical or even religious inquiry. Or, maybe, if they can be answered by science, over time they will drive the shift into a new paradigm. A paradigm that can explain why I still hold a grudge against my parents for allowing me to believe in Santa Claus until I was 11 years old. Maybe. Science only makes up a fraction of a percent of all human knowledge. Even the smartest person on Earth does not know the collective sum of everybody else. And they think they've got it all figured out. They think that they understand the universe. But tell me one thing, the smartest guy in the world, say Stephen Hawking. What the fuck does Stephen Hawking know about getting bitches? Space program. 
viewing it Sean will actually go on a dim route physically No by smoking split we will send a lander to the surface of the moon physically And plant a shanty upon the surface We will install first war plumbing upon the surface of the moon physically See if Our nation will actually go to the moon physically Not by smoking mind-altering substance We will send a lander to the surface of the moon physically And plant a shanty on the surface we will install first world plumbing on the surface of the moon, physically. See if tranquility. even Charlie. We grow the watermelons in different colors the best we can. This is how we do it. Seeds gathered from a gray watermelon picked on a gray day and then planted on a gray day will make more gray watermelons. It is really very simple. The colors of the days and the watermelons go like this. 
Monday, red watermelons. Tuesday, golden watermelons. Wednesday, gray watermelons. Thursday, black soundless watermelons. Friday, white watermelons. Saturday, blue watermelons. Sunday, brown watermelons. Today would be a day of gray watermelons. I like best tomorrow, the black soundless watermelon days. When you cut them, they make no noise and taste very sweet. They are very good for making things that have no sound. I remember there was a man who used to make clocks from the black soundless watermelons, and his clocks were silent. The man made six or seven of these clocks, and then he died. There is one of the clocks hanging over his grave. It is hanging from the branches of an apple tree and sways in the wind as they go up and down the river. It, of course, does not keep time anymore. my time at Binkus and Dinkus Company, I have never before had such an unorthodox experience as with one Phineas Huppert, master phrenologist and foremost expert in the science of racism. Owing to the company's tight finances, it was management's decision to reduce expenses by eliminating redundant personnel. There was only one problem. Due to the political and cultural climate, firing ethnic and gender minorities was a potential legal and PR nightmare. So after a decade of firing conventional white male employees every quarter, there remained none left in the company who weren't load-bearing and wouldn't cause catastrophic bankruptcy within a week of their absence. So it came to pass that we sought the services of Mr. Phineas Huppert. I sat in an office with my boss, Tim Tomboni, awaiting his arrival. We received a message from reception to let us know he was in the building and would be escorted up. But it had been 15 minutes since, and we both knew it doesn't take that long to ride up an elevator. Eventually, we got up to investigate, and, as if on cue, that was the moment he entered the room. Reception not give you good directions, or what? Asked Tim. I have an explanation. We spoke on the phone regarding your company's predicament, and I solved it, just now, after entering the office. What do you mean, solved it? You don't even know how the company works. Mm, not so. You see, as I approached the receptionist, I immediately noticed her ochre complexion and Indo-Asiatic follicle density of her brows and arms, from which I deduce she must be of Upper East Subcontinental origin. However, when she greeted me, I noted a general American accent and Western first name, Jessica, which I concluded she is second generation. During our brief conversation, though I doubt many would have noticed, the sun reached its zenith, the time of Zuhr prayer in Islam. The reception girl fringed and stammered oh so briefly, but it was enough to tell me all I needed to know. The five Salahs had etched themselves in her psyche due to a strict Muslim upbringing. From there, my work could begin in earnest. What the hell are you, some kind of racist? My dear boy, I am no vulgar racist. I am the foremost scholar of the immortal science of racism and the practical applications thereof. In short, with a bit of flattery, I was able to leverage her insecurity into a quick tour of your accounting department, as well as the private files therein. And what I discovered was a tricky bit of monetary manipulation originating from this department, double billing for the purposes of embezzlement to the tune of tens of thousands of dollars a year. And the guilty party is sitting across from me right now. That, that, that's ridiculous. How could you, you... Where's your proof? Proof indeed. The final pieces of the puzzle were assembled upon stepping into this office. While your last name, Tomboni, implies Italian origin, your physical features reveal nothing of the sort. You have the rounded, protruding forehead, fine downy fuzz, and doughy sallow dermis of a Dutchman. 
What could cause the adoption of an Italian surname but a domineering wife who insisted upon it? As you know, the hot-blooded Mediterranean places immense value on family, far more than the cold, atomized Protestant Dutch who value commerce above all else, including love. But a commanding wife with expensive taste cannot be satisfied with the salary of a mere middle manager. At that moment, a pair of guards entered the room and dragged Tim kicking and screaming from his office. Moments later, several gunshots and then silence. Since my boss was executed, ISIS style, I became the new boss, as per company policy. I trust you will contact me again if you need my services, Mr. Holmes. Homosexual. Fascinating. You know, I minored in homophobia. Well, ta-ta. That was my first, but not last, encounter with the immortal science of deductive racism. Yourself liberated, get fully vaccinated. This message paid for by the annexed nation of King Pathogenicon Blaxus Medical Corporation, LLC.